Hello and welcome to Stubbornly Optimistic, the podcast all about people and what makes them tick. Today's guest is Max Harrison. Max is a editor, he is a copywriter, proofreader, musician, um, and self-effacing chap from Middlesbrough. So I asked Max if he would be willing to subject himself to some questions from me, um, and he kindly agreed. Uh, we recorded this episode in Stockton, in Stockton Library, so there is some ambient noise. I was out and about rather than um, in my normal studio uh, at home. So have a listen, enjoy, and see where this takes you. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, welcome to Stubbornly Optimistic. Um, for the for the the, the listeners, um, just explain a little bit about. I'll just explain a little bit about how we've met. Um, in that, I did some writing effectively for yourself and the team behind Pro- Political Provocateur. Um, when was that? That was the election. So how, f- how long ago was that? Now that have been. About a year and a half ago. Yeah, about a year and a half. I mean, time flies. Yes. God. And we're just just about getting ready for another election, aren't we? <laughs> we think. <laughs> Very possibly, yeah. Um, that's um, what is organised, the current yeah. state of affairs. So. Is. Uh, but I remember um, when the election was called, so the surprise announcement mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. I, was in, um, I was in a car, in, in, the, um, in the back of the car, uh, going through Germany. Not for him to add a bit of a flu bug yeah. thing. Yeah. Didn't feel particularly good, and uh, and the, the news came on, and I heard something in the German mm-hmm. news thing. I understood some words about um, Theresa May election, and my girlfriend said, oh, "There's going to be an election." No, there's not. No, there's going to be an election. And I thought, ah, in that case, political provocateur will need. Mm. We're all just. Slowly building up to some kind of yeah. date where we could get the site going, and suddenly, yeah. that was gone. There was the there so was the, yeah, the an election. Yes, yeah, so yeah. there was an election being called, so yeah. we had to get things up uh, pretty yeah. quickly. You yeah. got quite a team of writers because I was I was one of what, half a dozen. It must be it must probably quite a few. I don't I can't keep track. There's um there's a core team. It must be half a dozen. Yeah, yeah. must be. Yeah. And then Jen oversees it all. Yeah. and does images and uh, all sorts of stuff behind the scenes that I still don't know. <laughs> um, I, I just sit there and I'll, I'll edit them right? and I'll write the odd thing myself Yeah. and just try and keep it consistent. So you kind of make sure that it, it, it looks right and, and all that sort of yeah, stuff? The, yeah, the tone's appropriate, um, that it's not uh, it's not preachy uh, or shouty because mm. that's not going to get you any... Yeah. Not gonna win you any any new um any anyone over, is it? Uh because it's it's important to be appropriate. 
mm-hmm. given that you're shouting to the world look at this. Yeah. So, and that, that goes to anything, yeah. doesn't it? So It seems to be going quite well, because you had, um, was it George Galloway? Yes, again, one of uh, one of Jen's, uh, I don't know how many, she's got lots of fingers and lots of pies. Yeah. And I can't keep track of it. So, more, <laughs> so fair play to her. She, she, yeah. she works wonders behind the scenes, and I, I just shake my head and think, how? How did you do that? And yeah, she does. <laughs> yeah, she does it. Just, uh, that and, brilliant. And I just sit there and I'll go, okay, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll edit this, I'll write that, yeah. it's fine. Okay. And then she off she goes again and does some more. Yeah. Fingers and pies, behind scenes, things. I'll have to try and drag Jen in and see if we can have a chat with Jen. Um, so you mentioned about the editing and uh, and the sort of proofreading of bits and pieces, because that's, that's really where you live in terms of the professional stuff. Yeah. You look through that kind of thing. Um, so how did... We've talked about this briefly before we started the show, but how did how did that come about? How did you end up doing that as a as a, oh, that's yeah, a very very long story? <laughs> what was the journey like? Um, because I remember, and I did an English degree in ninety yeah. two to ninety five. Yeah, didn't particularly enjoy it, but I did it to help my employment prospects. Because Tayside, yeah, hasn't got great uh, record as far as there. Uh, Massive employers go, yeah. um, and uh, also because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So what what do you do when you don't know what you want to do? Yeah, do a degree, do something, do so, I'll do something that isn't <laughs> isn't a job. Yes, yeah. it'll it'll get me three years of me going. Hmm, what can I do? So I did the degree, finished it, still didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, did an IT course because I couldn't. I didn't have a clue what IT. Uh, and then while I was doing this IT course. I saw an advert in some Sunday paper, um, get paid for reading books, and I thought, hmm. So I, I, I responded to the advert like a classic consumerist idiot, <laughs> and um, and yeah, proofreading, I thought, oh, okay, so I bought the book, and I thought, this is interesting. But the, the bit I didn't, I didn't, I, I loved all the things about um, learning the symbols and learning how to Know what, what's decent English and what isn't, yep. and what, what proofers should be looking for, and obviously it's everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that not only did it improve my English, my written English, uh, I learned quite a lot. Uh, and then I just started to do a, I applied to do a course to a company called Chapter House, and then I got a, a, a job in education, mm-hmm. which meant I didn't have an awful lot of time for. Um, trying to be a proofreader when mm-hmm. I had a full-time job. Yeah. So I put it on the back burner for a long time and over the years I uh, augmented my um, earnings and education here and there, uh, freelance jobs, bit mm-hmm. of copywriting. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to, uh, I had a mate who as a music journalist, and right. when he was training, when he was doing this work for free, mm-hmm. he'd send me his uh, his transcripts of his interviews. Mm-hmm. Katie Mellower and um, uh, Ian Jury's son, Baxter Jury. You know, he, yeah. he, he worked with people who were on the, on the fringes of being. Yeah. Well, Katie Mellower's case, obviously quite well known. Yeah. And he, so I'd um, try and get the uh, transcripts to read smoother right. than the actually than the spoken word. Yeah. 
so I'd cut out all the you knows. Yeah. Which obviously is a bit of a modern blight, isn't it? Kind it, of verbal punctuation. Yeah, you know. that, that sort of, I, I know, notice when I'm editing these up, I do a lot of ums and ums. Exactly, I'm probably doing loads now. Yeah, so you, you edit those out. <laughs> exactly, so you've got the transcripts, and then you th and it's, well, you know, and because it was just full, it was full of you knows. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And all the usual verbal ticks that we employ without even being conscious of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did about 40 for them. Oh, okay. Over the course of a few months, um, just to make them smooth, I was basically sub-editing. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is sort of a proofreading plus, really. Um, I also went for a job in about 2003 for a proofreader uh, at the Gazette, the Evening. Well, it's going to call the Evening Gazette. Didn't get the job, mm -hmm. but I found the uh, tests for it really easy. Mm -hmm. So if I did, I imagine the other people did as well. Yeah. Didn't get the job. Not to worry. Had a certain education for another, another, <laughs> another X amount of years, another 10 years or something. Um, so I've always kept up the editing, proofreading thing on yeah. the side. Yeah. And then I left education three years ago. I thought, right, what do I do now? I've got some savings, about a year's worth. So I started doing a copywriting course. Uh, didn't really enjoy it. Realised that copywriting is a massive pain <laughs> because you have to just basically sit there and write this kind of copy, this advertising kind of corporate. Mm -hmm. oh, and it wasn't really me. Yeah. Um, and every time I've looked at writing jobs, they usually end up being corporate copywriting. Yeah. Uh, search engine optimization. Yeah, SEO, mm -hmm. uh, keyword density. Yeah, again. So it doesn't really flow. You're very, it's very systematic and very artificial. Yes, it has. It's got its own rules. So therefore, yeah. in the first paragraph, you have to mention this seven times, but you don't mention that until paragraph three. Mm. And then come paragraph five, you mention this and that. Yeah. But in a different context. Yeah. You're always chasing your tail with those. I know my, my friend Richard, who um, works within the digital marketing world, um, the SEO and the, 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 the Google spider bot that sort of crawls all the pages, they, don't, they always change the algorithm. So you just get to the point where, and it's something he always used to complain about, um, you just get to a point where you understand what the process is and the yeah. process changes. Oh. And it's just, and it does, uh, for, for someone who is intrinsically a writer mm. and a love of English, mm. love of language, mm. You're you're, you're um, substituting the language for the pro for the process. Aren't you? Yeah, yeah, that. exactly. So I could imagine yeah. it probably wouldn't be that much fun. That, that's that's a good way of, um, of expressing it, and uh, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's it's process. It's uh, but then of course you're, you're doing it to earn money. Mm -hmm. um, so it's yeah, is it? I mean, talking about cars or um, pigeon proofing. <laughs> that uh, two very, which, very which I have things. written about. Pigeon proofing. Pigeon, yeah, yeah, obviously, you know, buildings need to be pigeon proofed. Do you know, it's something I've never thought of in my life. That, that I'm well, going to use go. that. I'm still going to use go. that. So when you see um, spikes yes. on on on, um, on little ledges mm -hmm. on netting, it's all pigeon proofing. That's what it is. Ah. And now I've once wrote about this stuff. It's extremely interesting. Uh, <laughs> so that was 2000. And... That'll be 2009, 10. Right. Okay. Um, and you kind of went. We went to the full time kind of. Uh, not copyright, sorry, the full-time uh, proofreading type stuff, um, freelance type stuff. I, I, uh, I used to constantly 
um, the last three or four years, I've constantly um, bombarded various online employer people. Uh, they're online. They all, they all, they all, of course, they're online. Um, <laughs> with uh, job applications, mm-hmm. and I, I've done that. I think, ah, I can do that. So I'll send the application off. And finally, in March this year, um, company, uh, proofreading company, um, the proofread academic mm-hmm. says, "Could you? Would you be interested?" Um, yes, I'll do that. Easy, because not easy. It's hard work, <laughs> and the rewards aren't particularly, um, you know, financial and exactly high. But but we do it, don't we? Yeah. Because it gives us some kind of purpose in life and some kind of meaning, and we get some money at the end of it. Yeah. And yep. we fill in time, and mm. we find ourselves being useful, mm. rather than sitting there going. <sighs> yeah, well, you mentioned like earlier on. You mentioned about the the music friend, the friend of the music business, and you know, I know you've done gigs and you've travelled and played uh, in a band. Mm. Um, so the jump for you from being employed in the education sector um, to full time kind of self employed. Mm. Probably wasn't. I'm guessing as scary because uh, you've already done that kind of gig economy stuff. You'd already yeah, done the, the yeah. I had actually musicianship. Um, and I left education 2015 July. Then I moved straight away to Cheshire to be with a girl in Cheshire, and um, I had my savings. Mm-hmm. I thought I'm going to need, so I'm going to need some savings. I will find a job in Cheshire because Cheshire is a lot wealthier than than Teesside. There mm-hmm. will be. Literally thousands of jobs out there for someone like me. <laughs> of theory, course, if only. If of course only. there would be. And uh, went over there. I didn't quite go according to plan. Um, in the December, I, I, was, I, was, I, I was getting so frustrated with the, the lack of progress with them, applying for this, that and the other. Um, I thought I'll start looking at local bands. That'll be a regular income. Mm. And so I looked on some... some uh, musicians wanted site, and I saw this advert mm-hmm. for a Yorkshire-based band. Because Yorkshire is a massive yeah. county, yeah. And, and which Yorkshire North, South, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the whole thing West. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I thought this would be interesting. And they were based in Hull, mm-hmm. and I lived in Macclesfield at the time. And Hull and Macclesfield aren't exactly just just don't run the corner from each other. Yeah. But my girlfriend said, "It's okay. I'll run you there." So no, she had she had a car. So she she took me to Hull. So I had this audition for this band in this house. No drummer, mm-hmm. and for a bass player, not not audition when the drummer is a bit weird. Yeah, that can be quite difficult with the no rhythm. Yeah. Half, of the, half of the rhythm section turns Ex- off. Exactly. So <laughs> so that was a bit weird. So I did ten songs. I'd learned. They told me to learn fourteen. So I learned fourteen songs for the audition. Yeah. And it was all 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 old blues. Um, like uh, Jeth- well, blues based, like yeah. Jethro Tull, uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, mm-hmm. um, The Doors, Hendrix, all the good stuff. Joplin, all the good stuff, all the proper sort of sixties, seventies uh, <laughs> stuff. Um, Rory Gallagher. And it was all this stuff. So anyway, I learned fourteen songs. Yeah. And audition went well. We got back in the car. Two and a bit hours later, yeah. got back home, and. Um, I got the phone, I got a phone call a few days later. Or I got an email rather, because it's easy that way. Mm-hmm. I don't want to speak to someone. Yeah. Um, no, we've given it to someone else, and I, I thought well, it's fine. 
it's fine, it doesn't bother me in the slightest, it's fine. And this is this was a band that would tour in Europe, mm -hmm. which I quite like the idea of. Yeah. Even though my girlfriend at the time obviously thought, hmm, okay. <coughs> so, did the audition, got back a few days later, oh, we're going we're gonna to give it to someone else. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, got, you got down, 80 people apparently applied. Wow. I got down to the last eight audition, because eight of us were auditioned, and I got, I got down to the last two. Right. So someone else pipped it in front of me. And then about a month later, I got an email going, oh, this, the lad we've given it to, he can't commit to it. Right. Would you be interested? And by that point, I'd given up on that thing, and yeah. I'd, I'd found a local employer who was going to take me on, working with the adults for learning difficulties, mm -hmm. which was a bit like a previous job I, I used to do. Yeah. And um, so that, I said, no, I can't. I, I'm, I'm starting a job, blah, blah, blah. I can't, uh, I can't work as a musician in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, over course the next few weeks, um, life went a bit crazy, and I had to move back to the northeast, and... The girl in Cheshire was extremely bitter and unhappy, and uh, it, it was a very nasty end to the relationship. Yeah. And, and the, the day after I got back, you know, I had to go through with a van, got all my gear. Yeah. It was pretty horrendous. Yeah. Um, the day after I got back, I got an email from this band. Yeah. I know we've asked you before, but but would you consider? Yeah. And I thought, you know what? Of course I would. Just do it. I'm, 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 I'm staying in a, in a box of my parents' house and I'm 48 years of age and I don't know what I'm doing with my life because things have suddenly gone awry. Yep. So yes, I will. So I had to learn 75 songs, um, but I had about two months, two and a half months to learn them in. And it, and it beats staring at four walls. It gives you, I guess, the, <coughs> the, so the decision to, to go with the band was born of necessity. Well, yeah, yes, and also um, it was an opportunity. I've been back one day and yeah. I got this email. Yeah. Um, so the timing was perfect. It does sometimes, sometimes life does that where, you know, something goes wrong, yeah. but life keeps going, but what about this? But what exactly. about this? But what about this? Exactly. So, <laughs> and third time about and, it, you and that, what about no. this? I couldn't say no to it. No. Um, so I went for it, uh, and of course, um, it was wonderful because I, I met. The woman who became my wife on yeah. the second night. Second gig, yeah. And on the second gig in the Black Forest, this little pub called Keller Russell, uh, in October, early October 2016. Mm -hmm. um, and life suddenly changed because up to that point, I'd spent the summer learning the songs, but I wasn't in a particularly good way mm -hmm. um, mentally. Uh, I'd, I'd struggled a bit with the various demons, and uh, I even had counselling, I'd. Um, I even, I even went for the full medication to try and make myself feel better. Mm -hmm. Antidepressants, which I hadn't had before. I right. never I never wanted to do that. But like like a friend of mine said, uh, you know, the, they'll help get you off the the treadmill yeah. of of the negative thought, negative thought, negative thought, same thought, same thought, same thought. And they did. You know, they, they, they increase your Serotonin, serotonin, serotonin. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. That's a little brighter. A little brighter, a little brighter. And and, and so you, you eventually you come off this little treadmill of the same thoughts, just going round and round. Because I, I used to drive myself insane mm -hmm. with the same negative thoughts, and I couldn't stop. Right. I, I was, I was, I was just going getting worse and worse. It's a classic. Um, it's a classic uh, cycle mm -hmm. of depression. Um, and this 
learning these songs was a way of distracting me from the situation and then getting into Europe suddenly mm-hmm. whole new world blah 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 and there I was yeah. suddenly um, doing something that actually felt natural and good mm. um, amongst people who were not judgmental and who were generous in their prayers and open with their hospitality and it was mm. wonderful yeah music's a funny thing like that because music has been described as something of an <laughs> antidepressant in itself yeah and i know that um something i've written very recently actually um i look at people and how they cope in general mm. with life and one of the first things in the mornings is how you how you hit the ground how your feet come out of bed mm. what does the first 30 minutes to two hours look like and I noticed myself, because I've had ups and downs in a similar sort of vein, um, recently what I've started to do with it with a downturn is the first thing I reach for is the iPod or the phone, earphones, and then I've got um, a morning motivation playlist. Right. And I literally bang that on because I cannot be this downward kind of grumpy individual that I know is sometimes within mm. me. Um, when I'm listening to a tune that's just about positivity and can do and will, you know, and um, I mean each each of the song, all the songs are going to be, I guess, personal to, to to an individual. But within that set, if you can remember the set, was there any that were like, you know, kind of, you know, you found yourself in Germany, you've met met a, a woman who, you know, has now become your wife, and you're kind of you're playing these songs, and it's kind of like, is there any of those particular songs that you go back to and revisit? Um, the set, or, or if not on that set, a different set. Um, well, we had to we had to learn. I, I remember I counted afterwards how many. I think I got about ninety six. Wow. Okay. Which was a lot. Um, <laughs> I mean that is a lot. Yeah. I mean most bands I've been in, it was perhaps forty. Right. Okay. Forty five. Um, we were constantly learning new songs, uh, or acoustic versions of old song or whatever, um, and I think that. For me, the, the only ones that really I used to really enjoy were the ones that would provide a challenge for me mm-hmm. as a bass player. Um, so learning the bass line to light my fire, which is not something I particularly enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but the, the, the bass line was really interesting. Okay. Kept me busy. Yeah. Um, so there was no sitting there cruising away, thinking of something else. You had to concentrate on every note. Yeah. And, um, <coughs> and that focuses you. Yeah. So things like that were great. Mm-hmm. I, I like that kind of thing, mm-hmm. where you're forced, and it, and it is it is being forced. You are forced to focus mm-hmm. on it, and that makes you a better player. Um, it might even make you a better human being if we could all if we we're all forced to focus on something <laughs> rather than living some kind of autopilot life. Yeah. That's a completely separate point. I made a big leap there. Um, so I love I love the leaps though. They're brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of the genre itself, some kind of like 60s, 70s blues. Yeah. Not necessarily something I listen to. Okay. Um, I mean, I, 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 like, I, like, I like a lot of blues, but I wouldn't listen to Creedence Clearwater Revival mm-hmm. or Janis Joplin much mm-hmm. um, or Jethro Tull mm-hmm. or Big Mama Thornton. I didn't even know what Big Bob thought I was until I joined the band. I'm going to look it up after the <laughs> podcast. I'm nodding sagely when yeah. I'm looking up. So, what you, what, so it's, that's interesting. As a musician, you can appreciate the complexity in the, in the process. And then when you take the musician out and it's just Max, yeah. and you're just listening, yeah. what sort of stuff do you gravitate to? I like classical music. 
uh, I find that quite soothing. Mm-hmm. When you you mentioned what your, your routine and music, mm-hmm. and when, when I was going through a bit of a rough time, I had stopped. I stopped enjoying comedy. Okay. And uh, I found I found myself not wanting to hear myself laugh. Right. That makes sense. So things like um, I, I really I like, really like Stuart Lee. I mean, everyone loves Stuart Lee, obviously. And and uh, his new series came out, and I just didn't fancy watching it because I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd often find uh, that I was listening to music to to, to pass the hours to. Not to try and get by mentally or whatever, mm-hmm. so it was often classical. Um, Classical's instrumental as well, mostly. Yeah. It? So there's no lyrics, there's no implied meaning there. You put the meaning onto the music as you feel. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and obviously some of the music, uh, it's got its own kind of inherent meaning. Mm-hmm. The nineteenth century classical music, especially, it became known as program music. Mm-hmm. Liszt. Liszt was uh, was famous for for writing these big pieces. That had a story to them, right? <clears throat> um, like uh, Smetana, Smetana, whatever. Can't pronounce it. <laughs> can't pronounce it. Yeah, um, I think I know the guy you mean. Yeah. He wrote a piece called Marv Last um, uh-huh. about about his country, right? Which was uh, again, I forgot which country. Somewhere, um, hung, was it Hungary? No, it wasn't Hungary. And he wrote about um, he wrote about a river. Uh-huh. Might be in the Volga. Might not have been the Volga. But he wrote a piece about, and the music is meant to represent this river. Right. So, program music it became known as. See, so, you know, that's that's a that's an imposition that, unless you know about it, you wouldn't mm. ever get it. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean people like Mozart, uh, Chopin, mm-hmm. um, Bach. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the yeah, people I used to listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the classical guitar composers, uh, sp- Spanish people like um, Fernando Saw. Francisco Tarraga, mm-hmm. uh, oh, Taroba, um, uh, Turina, there's all these composers, uh, Isaac Albaneth. Mm-hmm. I used to listen, they were so rich. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Debussy, Ravel, the, not the French, uh, so called impressionist composers. They're, I just found their music helped me to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, when, at a time when I couldn't we relate to anything else? Right. I remember watching uh, Fleabag. You watch Fleabag, BBC Two, about two years ago. Right. I watched that. I was told it was a good comedy, and that was about a kind of mental breakdown of sorts. Uh-huh. And I really related to that uh-huh. because I was like her. I wasn't. I was nothing. Nothing like my situation at all. But I found I found the grim the grimness of the comedy. Yeah, it's like dark humour stuff. Yeah, really dark humour. Mm-hmm. Uh, it appealed to me, and I found myself laughing. <laughs> Almost in spite of yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, this this is what it's like to mm-hmm. enjoy life again. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes the, the, there's 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 a correlation with um, that dark humour, and. Uh, what I used to do when, because I, I went through bouts of depression, um, the the, expre- the expression for depression is the black dog. Yeah, yeah. So I nicknamed him Fido, and I had a mental basket for him in the corner, a black Labrador. And when it was acting up, Fido wasn't was out of his basket, you know. So conceptualizing that and having that kind of almost comedic. Mm. You, do you remember the kids, um, the kids TV show Clifford? 
Clifford yes, the big, the big red, red dog. dog. Yeah. 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 So Fido has Clifford's kind of really sort of lo- tongue lolling out mm. and big floppy ears kind of funny mm. thing about him. So I took the, the depressive stuff and turned it into a black comedy in my head. Nice. You know? Um, and I've, it's, a, it's a recurring theme within that. I've spoken to a number of people that have experienced similar difficulties. And it seems to be this recurring theme of, of black comedy and whatnot. And was was the moving it sort of forward to now, mm. uh, to fast forward, you mentioned that you're, you're writing um, a something of a, we called it like a satirical kind of piece with uh, with Marmaduke. Is that where that's coming from, do you think? The black comedy stuff? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, Tisa, uh, it's on Teesside. Uh, of course it is. Um, <laughs> Your love of Teesside, isn't it? Yes. It would not, I love it and I hate it. But I'm allowed to hate it because I'm from here. So I'm allowed to hate it. That's, 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 the, that's the rule. I think we, 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 all, we all wish that where we grew up didn't have as many problems as it does. Yes. You know, and Teesside has its share of problems <coughs> and the reasons why... You know, fairly easy to see that kind of north-south divide Mm. thing, Um, but we always have a soft spot. I mean, I I, from County Durham, I would, I would, I would never really want to leave County Durham, Mm. Um, but the job market is horrendous. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) So, so Marmaduke is is a a very kind of irreverent um, detective. Yes, he's a detective. Um, He solves the most ludicrous uh, cases, usually involving. I mean, time travel, uh, mm. Scientology. Um, <laughs> in one case, there was um, tra- child trafficking in Redcar. Uh, and and if, I th- if I can think of something utterly ludicrous, mm-hmm. um, in one instance, uh, um, the, the US government um, begged him to come and work for them to right. help them with a the case. Yeah. Um, so, of course, he, I made the most of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because it, it was it was because of some stupid reason, yeah. Um, and, and throughout the whole thing, Mama Duke's missing Teesside, yeah. And even though he hates it, he knows that he can't leave it, yeah, because it, it's it's all, it's all he knows. So I've written two novels in the last few months, and um, they're, they're both based around uh, um, Teesside and its limitations. Uh, so one of them is set. In a post-Brexit world in which Teesside has um, has got a wall, a Berlin, a Berlin-esque <laughs> wall around it, um, and it's set about it doesn't really say it doesn't actually specify the novel. It's set about fifteen years from now, right? And everything's gone wrong. Like it's been a complete disaster. Uh, there was a coup yeah. because it was food shortages. There's been a coup, and um, in the the right wing, yep, military. And the, all, you know, the old boys club have, have got their heads together and they've organised a coup. And T-Side, for whatever reason, I don't want to give the plot away. No, no, clearly, don't, 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 don't give us any spoilers. Yes, say, clearly it's the, massively uh, deep. This is, this is going to... I, I think for, what we'll do is, for the listeners and whatnot... Um, I'll um, I'll keep tabs on where your project is with this because I want to read this book. I don't know about anybody else that's listening. I, I want to read this book just because it's got a very. Um, I'm thinking of Terry Pratchett because Terry Pratchett is hard to read. In yes, some he is. Cases. Yes, he is. Uh, but brilliant, you know, and and just having that, you know, Middlesbrough with the Berlin Wall and and the whole political satire stuff going on, which 
it's been said recently it's difficult to do political satire when you look at the reality of what we're mm. currently facing um, I'm just I'm already wanting to read it I want to turn the first page <laughs> and find out what you've what you come up with so do, 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 when you're writing this does it make you giggle when you're writing when you come up with a line or a joke or stuff like that yes it does because it's, so unex- it's so unexpected it's, it's almost the first time I'm, I'm reading it yeah because it, it, it's, it's so quickly on the page bang I'm sitting there going, <laughs> oh, that's good, that, that's funny, that, yeah, that's really good, that. Yeah. And then I'll go back to it and I think, did I write that? It's so funny when you yeah. revisit that, that revisiting, because I've, I've revisited <coughs> some older writings that I did a couple of years ago, two years back, and you write it, you write it, I'm reading it, and I'm reading it as an article on the, the, the internet or whatever, and I'm thinking, hang on a minute, I wrote this. <laughs> and of course you've forgotten what you yes. said within, you know, two years, three yeah. years down the line, forgot, and I'm reading it going, all right, that's interesting. That's interesting. and then I'm like, but it came out of my own head. Yeah, so it's, sometimes you can be blown away by your own stuff. Yeah, yeah, and time time gives you objectivity. Yes. So, that, so you find yourself thinking, oh, okay, yeah, and of course you can you can be um, impressed with your own stuff. You, you know, we are allowed to be. <laughs> it sounds. It sounds. It's, I, it's I don't a, mean it to be arrogant, but it's just just that sometimes it's like, did I really? <laughs> it's more surprise than arrogance. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's a, it's a good it's good arrogance. Yeah. Um, and we are, we are allowed to, to be impressed with our own stuff because, let's face it, sometimes it's so sudden. Mm. It's so sudden, it's, it's, it's been thought about, it's on the page before you've even consciously realised it's been thought about yeah. and put on the page. Because if you thought about it too much, it wouldn't be good, it wouldn't be funny. Yeah, it'll, be, it'll be second rate, it yeah. would require editing. Um, so occasionally we can f- just find a way in, bang, it's there. Yep. And when I started this, this novel, the name of which is... Um, my name is Melrose Spalding. <laughs> That's the name of it. Okay. Um, uh, and at first, I had, I had an idea of, of, the, of the burning wall thing, uh, and it wasn't it wasn't funny at all. The first two chapters were not funny. Right. There was no humour in it whatsoever. It, and, I, and I went back to thinking, this is really miserable. Hmm. So I had to stick some humour in there somewhere, and. Whether I did that, I don't know. That's a that's a that's a completely different point. But uh, yes, it, it wasn't going where I wanted it to go. Mm-hmm. It was going somewhere very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, of course, is another matter, isn't mm-hmm. it? We we think we're in control. Sometimes the book or the writing yeah. takes a life of its own. Exactly. Doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which sounds ridiculous as someone who doesn't write. So if people out there don't write, they might think, "Well, I couldn't take life of its own. Mm. It's your it's your work." Mm-hmm. You're, you're writing it, but ideas come from suddenly coming from nowhere, and before you know it, you've incorporated them, and suddenly there's a whole load of uh, possibilities. Yeah, yeah, uh, being being generated that previously weren't anywhere in yeah. sight. Yeah, and you, yeah. And you, oh, I'll do this now. Yeah, George Lucas has said similar with with Star Wars. You know, the the thing that we all think is uh, set and planned and everything. You know. And uh, he's, he said the same because Jabba the Hutt as a character was supposed to be something completely different and didn't really right. morph to what it is until the third film right. back in 1980, whatever it was. So, yeah, sometimes it, it doesn't just happen in the, the, the yeah. written word, I guess, yeah. is what I'm saying. happens with anything creative. Yes. The creative yes. process. Um, tangents are just terrible, but then brilliant at the same time. <laughs> they really are fun. <coughs> um, so what are you up to currently when you're writing the book? But what else are you up to currently in terms of um, projects? Because Political Profiteer is still going. Yes, I edit, edit that. Um, 
edit the political, the PP. It's easy to see. PP. PP. It is, yeah, it's that's difficult to see that second word. Political provocateur is eight syllables. This, there we go. And that's too many syllables for, for one <laughs> tiny, tiny mind to comprehend. So, yeah, so I edit that. That's, that's, that keeps me, keeps me quite busy. Right. Um, and there's some amazing people who write for it. There's just some wonderful voices. Uh, and I get the pleasure of being the person to edit. Mm -hmm. Uh, these these pieces sometimes quite long, and I've got the honour of um, of honing them. Yeah, sometimes, to, sometimes to the, exactly. Most times, the perfect as they are. Mm. Not, not not one word. I do remember something um, that, that when I was starting off writing bits and pieces, and I did a piece um, on the NHS for. Right. PP, as we'll call it, because I, yes. I stumble over the second word yeah. as well. And uh, I think I remember the message you sent me back saying it didn't need editing. And I was just like, that was the point where I thought, actually, I can do this. Yeah. yeah. You know, so so thank you for that. That <laughs> stuck with me. Uh, that stuck with me. I mean, you know, if, if, if a piece of writing doesn't need editing, then I've mm. done it okay. Yes. You know yes. what I'm saying? So, so thank you for that. So, what, that, that, so that project aside, what, what else is on your horizon? Oh, um... I uh, I'm always doing something musically. Um, You've got a band currently. Yes, I'm. I'm doing. I'm. Well, there's been two things this year. The first was a chic, chic tribute. Okay. Which obviously was a you know seventies um, funk whatever. Uh, I'd, I'd never even considered that kind of music. Mm -hmm. um, and I was asked, would I put something? Would I play bass? So I had fun learning those bass lines because mm -hmm. they're completely different from the. From the uh, blues yeah. stuff, yeah. Um, very tight. Uh, and at the other end of the spectrum, there's a Black Sabbath thing as well. I'm doing as well. Wow, Aussie, um, bit of Aussie. Aussie, yeah, the Aussie, the Aussie yeah. years, not the Dio years, the Aussie years. <laughs> so um, they're they're both interesting and completely different in their own in their own way. Yeah. Um, the chic thing might not come off because it's based down south, so I'm still waiting to find right. out what's happening with that one. Mm -hmm. So there's always some musical things going on. Um, I depth for me all band occasionally. Um, it, it all helps to, well, towards the uh, you know, the finances of the household, and mm -hmm. it keeps my fingers going. Keeps you busy, doesn't it? Exactly. Keeps you busy. Keeps you learning. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Keeps, uh, the, keeps the neurons firing. It does. It does. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's all. We, that's all we can ask for. Mm -hmm. And in between that, yeah, I, um, I proofread for this company, and I do the editing for PP. And I write a lot of stuff, and I'm writing. I've actually I've actually tried to slow down. Right. Because I, I wrote two Marmaduke novels in about three and a half months, and I thought I need to slow down a bit. Mm. So I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there editing for PP, proofreading for this company, and writing a novel. I'm not getting out. Mm. I'm sitting there stuck to a chair. Yeah. yeah. For hours and hours a day. Five six days a week, and I'm not actually getting off me rear end and exploring and moving around and walking and getting some fresh air. So hence the eleven mile walk you did yesterday. So yeah, yeah stiff legs today. Exactly yes, eleven mile walk. Um, because yeah. it's been a glorious summer. Mm. And I spent most of it sat on a chair. Okay. Um, <sighs> See, and it's not good enough. It sounds it sounds like you're you're this the sort of person that sort of procrastinates. You want to do stuff, <laughs> you know, spontaneity, <laughs> but procrastinate. It's an actual term. It is, is an it? actual term. Yeah. Um, there's a guy. I was a TED talk. There's a, a practical psychologist who 
uh, was studying this, and it turns out that you've got precrastinators and procrastinators, and I didn't know either. Um, and, and the procrastinator, because deadline, and they go right up to the deadline. Ah, yes. Yeah, yes. You're talking about creativity. It's, it's a boon in terms of creativity, but a vice in terms of product, productivity. And you can switch it with the procrastinator. Right. So from this point of view, uh, it sounds like you're the, the procrastinator and trying to get it done, 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 you know. But what I'm gonna what I'm gonna chuck in there is procrastinate for a bit and your creativity will come back. And it'll increase, not because it hasn't gone away, has it? Um, so I think taking taking a day and wandering off and doing an eleven mile walk, these are still going. The neurons yes. are still firing, yes, and you're going to be thinking, and you come back with a better or a different or a, a, a more intriguing tangent one-liner and something else for the Berlin Wall in Middlesbrough. I just think I just think that'd be it's a phenomenal thing. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I want to read them. I do. I want to read them. Well, I tell you what. Um, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. No problem. Um, would you, if I was to pin you down and ask you to come on again, would you come back on and have a chat with us? Of course I would. Yeah? Of course I would, yeah. And tell us how the projects are going and what's happening and stuff like yes, that. Yes, yes, yeah. because um, I've got a publisher interested uh, at the moment, but I don't know how I'm going to proceed yet. Uh, we'll find out. We'll find out. We'll be stubbornly optimistic that it's going <laughs> to actually work for you. It's going to work, all right? So thank you again for that. Thank um, you. And we'll, we'll chat again soon. Questions you want to ask? I want us to get in the car. And go where? 50 years from now, when you're looking back at your life, don't you want to be able to say you had the guts to get in the car?